Smarties, today we welcome Elaine and Diane of impactparents.com. They are the co-founders and authors and coaches and moms of complex kids, and we really enjoy spending time with them, as you can tell when you hear the podcast. It is such a refreshing conversation about what they do and how they help parents who in turn help their children. And we invite you to join us on Patreon for an extended conversation about their book, You can join us on Patreon for a $5 a month donation. Patreon.com slash Learn Smarter Podcast. We invite you to sit back and listen and learn just like we did. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 149 of Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast. I'm Rachel Cap, And I'm Stephanie Pitts. And today we are very excited to welcome our friends, Elaine and Diane, who are the co-founders of impactparents.com. Welcome guys. Oh, thank you. We're so glad to be with you. Yay. So can you guys just say, this is Elaine, this is Diane, so people can know whose voice is who? <laughs> this is Elaine. And this is Diane. And people get us confused all the time, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, we'll <laughs> answer to whatever name you call us. Exactly. I mean, the same happens for Steph and I. And we've been told, like, they confuse our photos, too. Yep. So they think my voice comes out of Steph's body. Vice versa, yeah. So funny for us. I have a private client I've been working with for months who still calls me Diane every time she sees me. That is so funny. <laughs> Are you with this client on Zoom? Yeah, she can see me. It comes up and says your name. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, my audience is a little distracted and there's a little bit of ADD involved or a little anxiety. And, you know, she's happy. She's smiling. She's present. She just doesn't know my name. (laughs) Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. So we would love for you guys to share a little bit of your origin story, how you found each other, and how you realized the work that you now do was the work you were meant to do. So I'll start because I started a little before you did, right? So I was a lost, overwhelmed mom of three quirky, complex kids and was really, really lost for a lot of years and was trying to find support for me. There was so much out there for my kids and there was nothing for me. And when I finally discovered coaching, I realized I'd like found something that was transforming my life and could really help other parents. Before I met Diane, I started a company called Touchdown Coaching. And I was working with parents of, I didn't know what to call them then. Now we call them parents of complex kids. I didn't have that language back then. And then a mutual friend introduced us by email or phone or whatever. And then we actually met each other at the International Conference on ADHD in 2010, which used to be called the CHAG conference. Now it's a multiple organization conference. And it was November of 2010. And we met each other and hit it off completely. And Diane, you take it from there. Our connection is infamous. But for me before that was that I was one of those kind of stressed out, get it done executive function moms. I realized that I was getting everything done for myself, but then all these wonderful people entered my life and including my three kids who are a little quirky, who uh, had a variety of different diagnoses, who were just having a hard time. And 
I was more stressed out than I wanted to be. I was more frustrated and yelling more than I wanted to be. And I had a career change opportunity back around 2010 at the time that I went to this conference and was trying to decide, you know, did I want to go work with the ADHD audience that I wanted to be a coach? I'd recently finished coach training. And when Elaine and I started talking, we both come from like a public health sort of background. And we started talking about the ADHD community. And Elaine, as you just mentioned, there's a lot of support out there for kids, but there was this big gap in supporting parents. And we both said, wow, we wish that we'd had different help than we have. And we realized how much our coach training and our background as coaches had really helped us to change our parenting. And so we were going to do a workshop together. That was it. This whole thing started (laughs) with a workshop. You know, now 80,000 parents and hundreds of countries later, we were going to do a a local workshop. And then I didn't even know how the next thing we knew, we had applied to Chad to become an innovative program. And we got recognized for that. And we started this website. And I'm not even sure how it evolved the way it did as quickly as it did. But we just had this vision that there were all these parents out there who needed what we had. Mm-hmm. And we knew it helped. It worked for both of us. I mean, you talked about yes. the fact that I'm get it done executive function mom who's yelling too much. You were lost ADD mom with a little bit of anxiety on this side. And the tools that we were learning helped us both. Yeah. And the other piece of it is parents are on a quest, but they don't know what they're looking for. So they end up seeking information more and more and more. And what we learned that coaching offered was the way to take that information and do something with it. We could put it into practice and actually help people figure out how to do what all the experts were telling them to do. And that was a huge shift. We used to say in the old days that we picked up where Chad left off. Chad was great for support groups and for information, but then what? And we were kind of the next, what's next? And so we started the support together by October of that year. We started our first coaching group and we started doing private coaching and we launched a beta site in August of 2011. You know, we tried a whole bunch of different things before we landed where we did, but the rest really is kind of history. We're a great team with each other. We complement each other really, really well. We're both natural teachers and also coaches. And so we blend this training and coaching together. It's been amazing. It's been a good journey. Well, and the other thing, I always talk about training, coaching, and support, right? Because one of the other things that makes us different than a lot of experts is that we've lived through it. Right? It's a sort of between our two families, we have six quirky kids, complex kids, and they all had different stories, different adventures, different everything else. And so we've lived it and breathed it and not just theorized about it. Yeah. Fast forward to 2016. We met you guys. Yep. So I met you at the conference and your talk just blew me away. And so I walked up to you guys. I remember introducing myself and thinking like, oh my gosh, amazing. And then I remember telling Rachel all about you guys. Mm -hmm. And then 2017. You came to Atlanta. You came and did our first Sanity School certification program training, right? We did. I don't even think we had a name for it then. It was so new. Talk a little bit about that aspect of the work that you do and also then the work that you taught us. It was kind of a magical weekend. It was an amazing, inspiring group of people. It was, wasn't it? It was. So let me back up. Sure. 
So we started coaching in 2011, and we spent the next several years kind of coaching and doing workshops and doing ebooks and creating some programs. I think that's when we created Minimize Meltdowns and Homework Headaches and beginning to develop some intellectual property, right, to create some programs. And what we were noticing was that the parents in our group coaching program we're missing the basic education. So what we do is we coach parents, but we also teach them coaching skills. And what we realized was that they were missing some foundational education that would really help them use the coaching better. It wasn't ADHD 101. No, not at all. It was really communication tools and executive function applications. Problem solving, collaboration. And how to make it work. I guess in probably in 2014, we started it. We said, okay, we've got to do a basic intro training for the people in our group coaching program. At one point, we had like 100 people in that group program, and we didn't have the basic training for them. So we created Sanity School for Parents as a foundational training, thinking we were just doing it for the people already in our program. And it was like it clicked. We realized, oh my God, this is what every parent of any kid diagnosed with anything needs because it's not about ADHD. It's about behavior management and behavior management training for parents. And how do you help empower kids to take ownership of themselves and to learn to self-manage? That's about the same time that we kind of had this uncovering of the fact that recommended treatment for kids with ADHD and executive function is this thing called behavior therapy which actually involves training the parents. And so we were like, oh my gosh, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. We're training parents to help their kids change their behaviors. It was wild because at that point, I was doing some consulting work for the American Academy of Pediatrics and they were doing a quality improvement initiative. And so that's when we first heard this term. And then what I learned while I was working with them was that it's recommended treatment, but no doctors are recommending it. And the places they had to recommend it was a very small list of very old programs. And so kind of no wonder we were all out there floundering yeah, because the doctors didn't understand what it was and didn't know where to refer people. And so that kind of reinforced, we got to do something. We got to get this out there because we knew we had something that would really help parents. And so when we created Sanity School, we immediately started doing research on it to sort of look at the efficacy and see what we could prove around it. And that was what led us a year and a half or so later doing a training program because we realized there were all these coaches that were coming out of coach school and they didn't know what to do. They didn't have this curriculum and we had created this curriculum that parents needed. And so we wanted to collaborate with other professionals so that they could bring it out to the community because there was no need for anybody to recreate the wheel. It's not ADD 101, it's really coaching 101. And we had organized it in a way that really made sense because when our brains work together, we really can look at the whole picture of how parents approach things. It was exciting. You know, it's like when you look back on something, if you ever done that and you kind of go, wow, we did that. That's so good. (laughs) You know? Yep. And Sandy School was like that. It was like, wow, that's so good. And now it's even better, right? Because we've had these years of practice with it. And we've had other people like you guys who went through the training, who have learned to teach it, who then come back to us and say, you know, this works better than that. And I was just going to say, and you teach us so much stuff too. I've had this ability to connect in with experts in all different aspects of supporting not just kids with ADHD, but anxiety with Tourette's with everything. And it's just kind of added to our toolbox, which changes our ability to help these parents. It's been a fun journey. (laughs) 
Yeah. Thanks for the walk down memory lane. It's been fun. I just think back to some of the language that we've adopted from you guys, and we're not the only ones. What sticks with you? What are some of the things you got from Sanity School? Do you remember? Taking aim. Taking aim. Is a big one. Do you want to explain that? So taking aim is about identifying the challenge area that you're focused on and narrowing in. Because if you're a parent of a complex kid, you've got a million things that are challenging you. That you want to see changed. And so if you can pick one, bonus points for one that your kid wants to see changed as well. Right. And, right. and one that can give you guys a win in the, yeah, this worked column. It increases success. It helps you to be really focused in terms of making some changes and helps you to narrow in and figure out what exactly is the executive function challenge underneath the challenge, rather than just kind of going, ah, I want my kid to do better with homework. The big giant thing. Well, and what happens with taking aim that I've noticed is that parents will start by saying, there are too many things. I can't choose one thing. And taking aim gives them permission to continue to scaffold all those other things and to choose one area to focus on increasing independence, right? One area to focus on engaging buy-in or enrolling motivation or whatever it is. But it actually takes the pressure off and lightens the load because now you don't feel like I have to do everything because if I don't do this, they're going to be on my couch in 30 years, right? You can kind of slow down to speed up and take one thing at a time. What we really want with these kids is incremental change. We want step-by-step growth and improvement and taking aim really narrowly, really specifically. You know, it's not taking aim on mornings, but it might be taking aim on how they talk to each other at the breakfast table before they've gotten food on board. Yes. You know, really specific time and place. And oftentimes parents will come into our coaching groups and they'll say, I don't know where to take aim. And we spend a lot of time, especially at the beginning with new parents, coaching them to take aim. Because if we can help them learn to do that and to do that really well, they can take it from there and coach themselves. Well, and what I would add is that, you know, you were saying what we need is the incremental change. Most parents don't come with that mindset. Most parents are like, I want to fix this. I want to fix it now. I'm going to send my kids off to Stephanie and Rachel and send them (laughs) back to me in six weeks and they're going to be fine. And they're going to be back up to class and everything's going to be great. Right. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So how do we get the parents to accept incremental change when they are looking for the quick fix? Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. But it, it takes a little bit of time right? Because we all have to undo some paradigms, ways that we thought it should be before we can embrace a new way. But that's where I think coaching really works. I mean, my vision and the work that we do is I want every parent to have a kind of bring it on attitude. I know I talk about this in the new book in the essential guide. Like, I want you to have a bring it on. I've got this, whatever's coming my way, I can handle it. I can be with it without freaking out, without them freaking out. And you get to that by coming to a comfort level with being realistic and accepting what is and what's not, with setting realistic expectations, with really improving your relationship with your kid, because that's key to everything, absolutely everything. Yep. And we often say, you know, positive parenting is huge, it's essential, and it's not enough. It's not enough to just love our kids. We have to love them. And then we have to use that loving, connected, trusting relationship to guide them. Well, and going back to that concept of incremental change, I think one of the challenges is the medical model that we kind of all live in right now. It's this sort of, I go to my doctor and 
My doctor says, here's what you do to get better. And then you do it. And here's what's wrong. And here's what you do to get better. Right. And so we're talking about kids with executive function delays. And so parents come in with this mindset that I'm going to send my kid off for help and you're going to catch them up on all their executive function delays. And what they're really needing is help to begin to learn the executive function. So they're sort of incrementally learning it, but they still are not going to just magically get up to speed and match all their classmates. Yep. Okay. So taking aim, was there anything (laughs) else? else? You guys told me once that you now do the, what would you like to add? That's the thing that you got from us. (laughs) Oh, oh. Because when we met you, Steph and I walked away and we said, I, Rachel and Elaine and Steph is Diane. I don't know if our audience has noticed, but every time we've asked a question, Elaine speaks first. And that tends to be (laughs) our pattern as well. And one of the things that I've really learned is invite Steph along to include her two cents in it because... That's just like our dynamic. So if you've ever heard us on the podcast and me go, Steph, what would you add? It's 100% an Elaine and Diane move. Yes, we still do that. And Diane, you even answered a question and you're like, what I would add to that is. Elaine didn't even ask that question, but Diane answered it. I noticed that too. The sneaky truth of it is that sometimes we don't always agree with each other. Yeah. And so sometimes when we're adding something, it's because we want to introduce a different perspective on it without contradicting our partner. Right. Right. 100%. She's brilliant and amazing. And I don't think she's wrong. I just see it differently. Sometimes she's wrong, but not publicly. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Sometimes I'm wrong. But rarely. <laughs> no, I, what do I always say? say? I'm never wrong. I'm just misinformed. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Because I think Steph and I absolutely use that language for that purpose too, because sometimes Steph will add a twist on it, or I've seen it differently, or it's expressed differently in my practice, just based off our locations or whatever we're talking about. And I'll go, oh yeah. Or sometimes, really? That's what's happening? It'll spark different conversations. And then we can like kind of find that happy medium most of the time. It's a very coach-like thing to do. It comes from our training as coaches, not only the yes and, not to contradict somebody, but to add to it, and to show a way that you can constructively, positively disagree and resolve conflict. There are times where people will hear us in an exchange or an interview or teaching where we'll say, you know, I challenge you on that. And we can do that in a respectful way that really models for people We don't have to agree if we are in alignment with each other, which is a big concept in coaching. Diane and I are a thousand percent aligned on who we are and what we do and what we're trying to help parents with. And so because of that, we can respectfully disagree and not take it personally. I was on the phone with two or three couples over the last couple of days that are really struggling with being on the same page. And Mm -hmm. the one spouse wants to handle it this way and the other spouse wants to handle it that way. And this is such an important tool for parents to learn or the parents in this boat and the kids in this boat, instead of focusing on the disagreement, if you can find ways to focus on the commonality and the common goals and say, okay, how do we narrow in on what's working instead of focusing on all of the stuff that feels like a disconnect? Yeah. In coaching, we would call that alignment. In order to have that kind of dynamic with a partner or a co-parent or a business relationship, because you guys are so connected beyond the business as Steph and I are too, but is that ego can't really be involved in it. Like I can't have my ego wrapped up in whatever I said that Steph may disagree with because that's not productive for anybody. 
I don't know if you guys ever hear this, but we hear a lot like, oh, I wish I had a Rachel. I wish I had a staff, like a partner that they could collaborate with. And that's the number one recommendation I make to people is like, find a person without ego. I'm going (laughs) to challenge that, Rachel. Are you challenging me? I'm challenging that, Rachel. I mean, I think we're humans. We all have ego. Yeah. So it's not about not having the ego. It's about noticing when your ego is in the front seat or the back seat and figuring out whether it's helping or whether it's getting in the way and being willing to kind of say, okay, you know what? I'm feeling a little mm -mm about this and I need to, (laughs) I need to check myself. One of the things I think we do really, really well that we've always done and the biggest key to our success in a long partnership is that we don't shy away from difficult conversations. We have hard conversations. We use our coaching toolkit to bring those conversations with each other. In the coaching world, we call it a design or a design alliance. But we design with each other and we will say really hard things that are hard to say because we know that's what our partnership needs. Just like in a marriage, it's hard sometimes to have those conversations. And just like with complex kids, there are some hard conversations we have to have. And if we can learn to have those conversations, you're saying without ego, I would say without taking it personally, Mm -hmm. right? That's really what I meant. If you can learn to have them respectfully, you know, to know that other people's stuff is their stuff. It's a huge life skill. I think what we do is we try to teach that to parents and teach them ways to teach that to their kids, because what kids are going to need, particularly in the years to come, is problem solving and critical thinking skills. And that's what that is about. Well, and not just that, but conflict management is kind of underneath this whole thing. It's like people always disagree. It's sort of what do you do about it when it comes up? Yeah. Especially co-parenting situations. Right. Absolutely. Going back to your idea of starting really small. I was thinking about how parents come to me and they'll just say, we need help with homework. (laughs) It's not homework. Really? Yeah. That's not what it is. That happens all the time. Yeah. We get mornings and homework. Those are the two key times, right? Mm -hmm. And getting off of technology. That makes total sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is it that you see that's not a homework? (laughs) Wait, who's interviewing who? Here go the coaches. Yikes. <laughs> it's an occupational hazard. Sorry. <laughs> so funny. Everything but homework. Yes. Right? It's emotion. Yes. All of it. The executive functioning. It's the emotion. It's time of day. Literally how they're feeling that day. It's their self-esteem. It's their age. What they've had for lunch. Did they eat? All the other things. What happened on the playground? Exactly. How the day started. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Homework is just a byproduct. Mm -hmm. What happened between the kid and that teacher that day? It's everything but. Yep. We're throwing in tools here left and right, right? So the tool there is curiosity. Like, and as a parent, if you kind of say, my kid's having a hard time with homework. Great. So what is it about homework that's really hard? Mm -hmm. If you can kind of go in with that curious microscope and say, what's really going on here? And what are several things that are going on here? And not just my kid is lazy and doesn't care about homework, which is usually the first answer. Yes. And such a trigger. (laughs) We all agree. No kid is lazy. I talk about using curiosity as a tool. Did I get that from you guys? Oh yeah. Step (laughs) two. I totally did. 
it's not about getting angry. It's about getting curious. And I definitely have said that so many times to so many parents and don't get furious, get curious. There you go. That's better. <laughs> it's in the book, right? So we talked about take aim. That's step one in our model. So we have a very, very simple model. That's a coaching based model. Step one is take aim. Step two is collect information, get informed. And that's where we teach the tool of curiosity. Right. And so look at it from all different angles and perspectives and really understand everything that's going on before you come anywhere near problem solving. But most parents want to start with a solution. Mm -hmm. Right. Most parents want to start by saying, well, let's fix this. How do we fix this? This is how we fix it. Get my kid to do this thing that I had the idea. And what we're trying to do is slow it down a little bit and look at the process so that parents and kids can really understand what's going on so that they can problem solve to the real problem that's underneath what you think is the problem. And that's exactly what you're saying, Stephanie. I always use the planner example, but it's not about getting your kid to use the planner. It's about helping your child to create a process that works for them for tracking the things that they need to do, whether it's the grocery list or remembering the steps between the house and their office or not forgetting the dry cleaning or whatever it is, right? Today, it happens to be what are your assignments and did you turn them in? And I still haven't picked up that dress at the cleaners, you know, like, <sighs> yeah, it, this is a life skill to teach them to be in the process of managing themselves. Yeah. We often say it's teaching them how to hold themselves up, not holding them up. Mm, I love that. I was talking to you guys before about how my dad read over something and he's like, you know, it says you had like 110 sessions with this kid. I'm like, yeah, that's how long it takes to build skills and habits. You know, it was a case study and that family came in so specific about the outcomes that they wanted. And this is something that I'm really realizing is so valuable for me in the types of clients that I like to work with. They were so coachable and so collaborative throughout the whole thing that they were able to shift around their learner as well. Mm -hmm. Which is huge. It was just funny that my dad was like, it seems like it should happen faster. I'm like, yeah, we have a group coaching program that we request that parents do for a full year. Sometimes they're looking for less because they want it quicker, but we know it just takes time to turn the ship. Yeah. You know, it just takes time. Yes. Yeah. I always say, you know, there's a whole history and if you're coming into the practice in sixth and seventh grade, <laughs> we have seven years <laughs> of school to undo. That is a trajectory. Yeah, I always say it took you a while to get here. It's going to take you a while to get out of here, even though it doesn't feel like it took you a while because you were living it. So I think I'm going to borrow that. I really like that. Thank you. Yeah. It took you a while to get here. It's going to take you a while to get out of here. And what we find now, because we've been around long enough, and this is so cool, is that we now have parents who have kind of graduated and they're coming back because their kids are hitting a new milestone. Like the kids starting high school, kids starting college, kids, you know, something has shifted or the next kid has come along. And so they've been with us for a couple of years. They love it. And then they come back for refresher. Or they come back because there's a new circumstance. It's really interesting. It's the continuing ed. Yeah. I'm going to take it a step further because one of the things that's amazing to me even about what we do is this stuff helps parents who are dealing with an eight-year-old who's having a hard time with meltdowns and it helps with parents who are dealing with a 19-year-old who's trying to figure out how to get themselves organized to maybe even consider applying for college. It can help in any of those cases because you're dealing with kids with executive function challenges. So it's not about their ADHD or their anxiety or whatever else. It's about the process of 
helping your child to become more independent and managing something. Yeah. We did some research last summer. Mm. We surveyed over a hundred parents. We had a fabulous team from NYU that did some follow-up. I love this word, phenomenological research with them. But one of the things we found when we did this research was some of the things we've talked about. Parents want a quick fix. Parents are looking for a magic bullet. Yep. Parents are exhausted. <laughs> right. Parents are exhausted. <laughs> Parents aren't getting directed to the kind of help that they really need. They think they're looking for something that's personal to them. And that has to be personalized to them. Mm-hmm. When in truth, it's, I'm watching Stephanie, y'all can't see it, but Stephanie's just shaking her head. Yes, right. We're so different. They think their situation's very unique. Yes. Well, and because it's different than mainstream. But for us, I think that's why this new book that we came out with has been so helpful because people are reading it and going, oh, wow, it's like you're in my living room, you're in my kitchen. How do you know? Yes. And it's so interesting to say to parents that we really do understand what you're going through, even though you haven't told us about it yet. Yes. Because they think they're alone. They think they're the only ones. And they think that that means whatever solution is out there has to only be for them. And so helping them to understand that it doesn't matter if your kid is 7, 17, or 27 how you approach them and communicate with them is going to change how they learn to manage themselves. And that's an interesting shift of mindset. A lot of it's about mindset, isn't it? Was that what the outcome of the research determined? So the research was about parent barriers because part of what we're committed to is getting support out to as many parents as we can. And we wanted to kind of understand what's going on that's making it hard for parents to get help. And part of it is that they're not getting referred to places because a lot of practitioners don't even know where to send parents. Yeah. Part of it is we're in information overload, right? There's so much stuff out on the internet and I could read articles for hours and hours. Or go to free webinars. Or go to free webinars forever and ever and ever. Or go to a conference or whatever it is. And parents are getting stuck because they know that it's not working when they finish reading the book to just do the things in the book. So instead of getting help to do the things that they learn in the book, they're going out and trying to find another book that tells them something different. Right. I call it the pinball approach. Yeah. They're not getting referred. People want free information. This idea of customization that help has to be specific for me or it won't help. We got so much interesting information about it. One of the other things we got was that oftentimes, kind of like what you were saying, by the time they get to us, they've been doing this for a long time or struggling with it for a long time. And so there's this sense that nothing's worked. Yes. And so they really want 100% guarantee that it's going to work. And then even when you give it to them, they don't really believe it. And so you're up against this notion that nothing's really going to work. And so part of our job is to shift it. And we started doing this research because, you know, we were talking about sanity school earlier. Part of our mission and value as a company is to make resources available as affordable and accessible as possible. So, I mean, you can't get the kind of support we offer in sanity school I mean, it's a few hundred dollars. It's really, really inexpensive, super, super. And yet still parents don't buy it. Right. So that's what we were trying to figure out. It's like, what is stopping parents from getting help that will really fundamentally shift their ability to shift the dynamic in their home? One of the other ones is why should I spend money on me when it's my kid that has the problem? Parents, they feel disempowered. My kid won't listen to me. So that means that I can't do anything. Because I've been telling my kid what to do. My kid doesn't want me to tell him what to do. And so somebody else has to help my kid. So part of what we have to do is to re-engineer that 
so that parents can, number one, believe that they can make a difference. Number two, shift the relationship with their kiddos if it's broken so that they can begin to start working with them again and actually start putting some ideas into practice. No, I just finished doing a group for parents of young adults, which has been a fascinating learning for me. Part of it is because I have young adults and we've just been getting so many parents now in COVID of parents of kids who are home and beginning to see the problems. And the number one tool for parents of teenagers and young adults, number one tool is to lean into relationship. We have two foundational principles for when we're working with parents. If you don't know where to take aim, there are only two choices. Either focus on self-care or lean into relationship. I was going to say there's a third one because it's triggers are usually the other thing, especially if the relationships. That's coming up now. I think we're starting to see that as a third. But for many, many years, we've been saying self-care, which I would argue that trigger management is a self-care. Yeah. It's also part of the relationship piece of it because you're either triggered by your worry about your kid's future or you're triggered because you're angry because your kid's not doing what they say they'll do or whatever else, right? Yeah. So it's a tool. But those areas to focus on are huge for kids of any age. But as parents, we have to trust that that relationship really makes a difference. And that's scary because if we don't feel like we know what we're doing, then how could we be the solution? When in fact, it's helping us as parents know that actually change starts here. We are the first step in the solution. And it's not to fix something. It's to really understand it, embrace it, meet it where it is, and then learn how to navigate it with grace. So seamless. Which sounds so easy when I say it that way, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So Elaine and Diane, this has been so wonderful and so informative. And, you know, Steph and I were talking about what are we going to talk with them about? And Steph and I were just like, it'll flow. It'll flow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it did. And it did. It totally did. But I would love to, first of all, let our audience know that we are going to continue this conversation over on Patreon. If you're not a part of our Patreon community yet, please join us over there at www.patreon.com slash learn smarter podcast for $5 a month donation. You get access to all the past content and extended conversations and also support the work and the mission of the Learn Smarter podcast. And we love to connect with you over there. But before we sort of wrap up and record Patreon, I would love to invite you guys to sort of share with our audience, what is the best way to connect with you, to work with you guys? Cause mm-hmm. we couldn't endorse you more. And so what is the best way? People can find us at impactparents.com. It's a easy resource. We have both information about the programs and offerings we have, as well as an amazing blog with lots of information for parents as well. We've got a special gift for the Learn Smarter audience. If you want to go to impactparents.com slash learn smarter, we'll give you a free tip sheet that you can take on that'll give you a sense of some of the stuff that we're all about and add you to our mailing list so you can start getting our newsletter and our information. How can you work with us? There are three ways that we work with parents. We do training and our keystone training program is called sanity school for parents and as you're listening to this we are just re-delivering it live and about to roll out an updated and revised version that we're really excited about so sanity school for parents is our sort of main foundational training and then on top of that we do coaching we do group coaching where parents can be in a group based on the age of their kids and get support to practice to implement what they're learning 
all that information is great, but it doesn't bring the transformation you really want. And so we really focus on coaching to help you transform information into action. And we do private coaching. Diane and I do it. We have somebody else that coaches with us and we can work individually with parents to help you create action plans for your family, again, to implement what you're learning and to really create the kind of change and transformation you want. And I will add that you have a book, Parenting ADHD Now, which we will link in the show notes. We do. And a new book called The Essential Guide to Raising Complex Kids with ADHD, Anxiety, and More. And we already had you on, Elaine, to talk about that book. So we will also link that episode. Episode 135. I just looked it up. Wow. Thanks, Check that out. (laughs) Got it. Yeah. So lots of ways we are out there. If you want help and you want support, it's hard to miss us if you just look just a little bit. Perfect. All right. On to Patreon. But before we do that, can one of you say, have a great week, Smarties, or both of you? Have a great week, Smarties. Have a great week, Smarties. Smarties. <laughs> <laughs>